Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. We are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And dearest friends, anytime we mention a product on this podcast, you can find them on our website, which is forever35podcast.com. Yeah, this came up a bit last week, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, we had when our we did dupes the dupes episode. episode, and there were a bunch of people who said they hadn't been able to write everything down, but we we do always link to everything on the website. So head on over there if you ever have any questions about what we talk about on the show. And new on our website also is a page with promo codes for any advertiser that we've had on the podcast. Yeah. So you can peruse that, click around, have fun. Exactly. Thank you for listening. Thanks for visiting our website. Yes. (laughs) And welcome to the show. Uh, how's it going? Dory, you know, it's funny we mentioned the dupes episode. 
Because last night mm-hmm. I pulled out my tiny little bottle yeah. of Waleda skin food. Uh-huh. Go on. I was preparing for bed and my legs were very dry. Okay. I was like, well, I gotta, I'm going to like lubricate my entire body and then put my pajamas on. So I started putting the skin food on my legs and then I put on, I, I was just like putting all sorts of things in my body. Some oil from the company St. Jane, this very nice CBD body oil that they sent me, some Knipe oil. I don't remember Knipe was oh, a yes, former yes, advertiser yes. on our show, but they have a very nice body oil that I love. Mm-hmm. So I was putting that on. But anyway, back to the skin food. I then held it in my hand and I thought about how the original emailer had, had essentially said to us, like, you got to try, try it. Yeah. And there had been kind of a discussion about the skin food in our podcast. Specifically, Facebook try group. putting it on your face. On your face. Yeah. And in the Facebook group, uh, I believe the original emailer had chimed in, but a poster was like, hey, don't knock it till you try it. I was like, you know what? They're all right. And, and I was very skeptical because it is very thick. It is. And look, it's in your nature to be skeptical. You're a questioner. Mm. You're a thought, a, a thought seeker. Mm. You're, mm. You are a journalist. Go on, Kate. A wizard. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being skeptical. I, I was too. But I put it on my face last night. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, I woke up this morning and was very pleased. Wow. And I layered it on after. I can give you the whole... A lowdown. I washed it with my new favorite, the Trader Joe's face wash. Look at you exploring all these new prods. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh oh, everybody, she's on fire. She's got that gleam in her she eye. She does. We just ate Impossible Burgers. We sure did. And so we're all satiated and ready mm-hmm. to rock. Uh, no, I will. First of all, I've been reusing my new face. Oh. You had put that on a dusty shelf for it a was long time. Literally in a drawer collecting dust. Dust bunnies were like rolling by. And then a friend mentioned it. And I was like, you know what? I got to give this another shot. So every night I've been putting aloe on my face, mm-hmm. using my new face, mm-hmm. which essentially uses what? Like electric microcurrents to kind of like tighten the muscles of your face. Sure. Yeah. Don't even know. Right. But I've been using it because it was an expensive purchase. It was. I, I remember you almost like decided to return it. I bought it at Costco. Of I know course. because I think you bought it there because you knew you could potentially return it. Yes, and and you know ev- people lo- really like it, and I do think it does make a subtle difference. Yeah. But it's a you, it's a consistent practice. You have to right. use it every day, and you have to like put this stuff on your you know like a not a, not a cream like a lubricant, which is why yeah. I use aloe. Yeah. But anyway, it, I've like actually... like when you're getting an ultrasound. Exactly. Exactly like that. I have found the process to be pretty quick, though. So okay. I've been fairly consistent with the old new face. Your and skin I... does look supple. Okay. So, Dory, is it the skin food? I don't know. Can I tell you what else I layered on here? Yes. Okay. I then washed everything off with my Trader Joe's face wash, which I freaking love. It's a really great face wash. Great. It's non-drying. It's just, I don't know, that might be that might be my favorite. When we get to that TJ's episode, that might be my personal all-star. It's very gentle. Then I got this new serum at a skincare swap, so I didn't pay for it. It's the Eminence Organic Skincare Bright Skin Licorice Root Booster Serum. That's a lot of things. It is, and it I love it. So after misting my skin with my H's for Love Pollen Illuminating Mist that I'm obsessed with, mm-hmm. I put on the serum. Then I dumped a bunch of my 
St. Jane CBD face oil on, which I really like, courtesy of them. FYI, I did yep, not buy it. Yep, yep. And then I put on the Waleda Skin Food. And I was like, this is a wild journey. I have so much shit on my face. What's going to happen? And I woke up this morning and my skin felt amazing. And it lo- I thought it looked good. Yeah, it does look good. So here I am. Supple. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so look, I don't know. I'm going to keep trying it. I had posted about it on our Forever 35 Instagram. And a listener said I should actually be layering the skin food and then the oil. Mm. But I always understood it as the oil and then my the way i'm envisioning it is like the skin food goes on top to like seal it all in the skin food is very thick you know what though i kind of mushed it up in my hands and i didn't use that much Mm. and it didn't feel it felt sticky but it wasn't wasn't like i had a thick mask on it wasn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be okay like, you know when you put on something kind of heavy and it almost feels claustrophobic? Yes. Yeah, it wasn't that. Okay. I was pleasantly surprised. So I just, I want to say thank you to the listeners who reminded me that, like, you should always try it. All right. Always you know try what? something. I will try it, too, because I have a tube <gasps> of skin food. Why not? Why not? It's one, that's what I said to myself. I said, it's one night. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Tonight, it's going to be two nights. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but... I'm, I've, I've soured a bit on Waleda as a company. Okay. I feel like I need to be transparent about this. First of all, I found out that outside of the U.S., they are an MLM. No. Yes. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, what? Okay. So that is one. The other thing is they, you know, I'm like a safe sleep fanatic. I do know as your friend and business partner. Yes. I'm aware. So they posted a YouTube video in German. Um, Which is a language you've studied, so. Yes, I don't, I don't speak it very well. But this video was touting the benefits of bed sharing. Uh-oh. And I was like, huh. <laughs> um, this was linked to in one of the various evidence-based motherhood groups, parenting groups that I'm in. <laughs> I'm in several. So I can't remember which one it was. Anyway, um, so I was like, huh, this is troubling. Interesting. It's so, kind of strange of a skincare company to be commenting on bed sharing. Yeah. Is it not? That seems like a bit of a leap. Well, I think they, you know, they make a lot of baby products. Oh, that's true. I like their baby products. Yes. And I like their baby products too. Henry uses their diaper cream. And he had been using their shampoo and body wash. What are you going to do if Henry starts selling Walita? I mean. He becomes the first baby uh, direct marketing seller. I mean, maybe if he moves to the UK, but he can't sell it here. his own business. Yeah. I didn't realize that they operated that way. I did not either. Mm. So, you know, it's just something to think about. Okay. Well, I will think about that as I put it on my face Great. tonight. I, okay. will, I will ponder that. A listener also uh, uh, texted us over Instant Messenger because their partner had been visiting Germany for work and got some Nivea, some German Nivea. Yeah, and someone else posted, I think, in the Facebook group that they had ordered German Nivea on Amazon and they got a counterfeit. Yes, I would. I'm skeptical of ordering um, directly from Amazon for stuff like that. Yeah, unless you see that it's coming directly from the actual from German company. Nivea. Yes, I wonder if you could order from German Amazon. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, get back to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that is that is fascinating. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna try it. I'm glad I gave it a try. Yeah, I am too. Especially as it gets dry, really dry here. 
It's been so dry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been squirting saline up my nose. And you know, usually I moisturize after I shower, but I don't shower that much anymore. So I've been noticing that I've been like forgetting to moisturize. Yeah. And this morning I was like, my legs were like bone dry. Yeah. That's how mine were. Yeah. So I had to slather something on. I use the Botnia cream. Mm, their stuff is nice. Their stuff is really nice. They also sent that to us, I should say, in the interest of full transparency. Let us be transparent with you. We are in a p- place of privilege of getting stuff sent to us that we use. It's a very nice treat. Indeed. Um, what else is going on? Dory, wow. What's going on with me? I was in a spiral where I wanted to secretly diet. Wow. Okay. I thought you were going to say secretly die. Oh God. No. Et. But then you added that et. Oh no, no, okay. no, no. That was like, whoa, um, no, this I was, is, no, this is a lot. No, no, okay. that was not it. I was having secret thoughts of how I could secretly diet and not tell anybody. Whoa. So I had to get into, th- get to my therapist. I mean, just, I'm just going to tell, tell people that is what was going yeah. on. The, the journey of self-acceptance has been rocky for me. It's a it's a long and and treacherous one. Yes, and so I was in a real place where I was like, I just I'll like myself once I dot 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 lose weight dot you know that whole that and, little spiral I yep, got into. Yeah, yeah. Like if I just did that, then I'll work on accepting myself and blah blah blah. So, um, but I didn't. I did not go on a diet or a cleanse. But I just had uh, had the temptation, and then I did a lot of thinking about you know I I, I am really working towards living in a place of truly caring for my physical form and my emotional form. And it is hard. There are some days where it is not easy for me. Um, But I, I, I had a very good uh, conversation with my therapist about it. I started reading a really interesting book called beauty sick that kind of delves into beauty standards and also just kind of the impossible situation um, women are in. Mm Mm-hmm in you know we're essentially trapped in the situation of beauty stand you know they're they're not it's systemics is kind of what the book hypothesizes sure um so yeah i don't know i don't know it feels a little like awkward to say no why should it be awkward awkward but it's just like it was it was a hard week for me emotionally with my self-esteem do you think something in particular triggered it um i have no that's layers of stuff that like I feel like is too much to get into. Like it would require like digging into my insecurities as a high schooler. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing I have been thinking about a lot is not like I'll love myself when I'm this or I loved, I wish I was still that in the past. It's like, how do I love and care for myself right in this exact moment? Yeah. Which connects to a lot of what yoga is about for me, which is existing in the present, present Mm -hmm. moment, mindfulness, mindfulness. And I've been doing, I've been kind of reconnecting as mentioned before with my yoga practice. And so, you know, one thing my, say my therapist and I were talking about is just reconnecting to my body in a physical way, Yeah, you know, and yoga is that for me. Um, and so I just have been kind of doing some yoga practice on my own and that's been really nice and thinking about how to care for myself in the now yeah, and not, and giving myself permission to love myself now, not like down the road yeah. when I'm this or that, because that's not possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that's, that's that. I don't know. Is that too personal? No, Kate. No. <laughs> is that too personal? No, it is Podcast not. where I talk about my butt all the time. <laughs> 
What have you been up to, Dory, while I've been secretly thinking about cleansing? Oh, well, I have been thinking about cleaning. Cleansing out a different kind of physical space. Yes, exactly. A cleanse we, dare I say, approve of. (laughs) I mean, yeah, sure. Um, So a woman named Juliana Strickland reached out. um, She is an organizer. She also, she does other stuff too. She... She's, dare I say, an influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a she has a company called Space Camp, and that is her organizing company. And so, you know, she'd heard us talk a lot about organizing on the show. And so she reached out and offered us both an organizing consultation. And I took her up on it. So she came to the house last week. And... I have a question. Yes. Did you tidy the house before or were you like, I'm going to let her see my house in its true form? So she did come on. She she came on the day that our house cleaners come. So the house was like relatively tidy, but like there's only, I mean, it was clean. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say it was tidy. It was clean, Um, but it still had so much stuff in it. It was still very cluttered. Um, So no, I did not like try to like throw things away before she got there. Um, her major takeaway was that we have too much stuff. I see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, this all sort of jived with like what I've been thinking about and talking about in the last week or two in regards to our house and not having a lot of storage, etc. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to actually hire her to do the organizing Um, you know, it's expensive and also like goddess willing, we are only going to be in this house another 10 months or so. So I feel like to invest all of that money and time in organizing, like, yes, I would probably feel better, but also like, it's not that long of a time and I will probably be purging anyway, before we move. And so I think I'm just going to do some like quick fixes that she suggested, like not go like full on full hog, full hog, but do, do a few of the things that she suggested. Cause she sent me an email with some of the things that she, that we talked about while she was there. Um, and it did, you know, it did kind of help me think about some of the areas in the house that could really be used better. Um, which was helpful and I think will have like an immediate impact on my quality of life. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, what do you mean by that? Like, like, oh, this space, you're not utilizing it in the right way or you should have this here to really make the most of it. So, okay, here's an example. There is a closet type thing in our hallway. You've seen it. Yes. It's like built into the wall and it has a, it has a bunch of like small doors (laughs) with and there are shelves in it it's like a i mean like i said this is this is original to the house so this thing is a hundred years old and i guess this is where people stored all their stuff back in the day (laughs) um they weren't prepared for 2019 no and so she pointed out that like in the center closet cabinet whatever you want to call it of this thing i have some i have like vases stored there She's like, this is prime real estate. You know, like you should be storing stuff in here that you use like every day. Yeah. Which you do not use vases every day. I do not. Mm -hmm. I would like to buy more fresh flowers. Fair. But for the time being, no. I also have like a bunch of water bottles that I don't use 
because I only use this one water bottle. Um, and actually when we were getting our kitchen redone with the dishwasher and stuff, I had to get rid of a lot of stuff and I got rid of like a large containers worth of water bottles because everywhere you go, you get like free water bottles. We also have way too many water bottles. Um, So I felt like I had already done like a water bottle purge, but I mean, I could probably do another one. So there was that. And then like Henry's, the closet in Henry's room is also like a disaster because it's not any of his stuff. It's all like my crap. Oh, interesting. Um, There's like a huge file cabinet that I, I probably don't need such a big file cabinet. All my like winter coats are in there that I hardly ever wear. Um, There's just like a bunch of other crap kind of shoved in there. Um, And so she had some suggestions for that. She pointed out that I probably don't use all of the cookbooks that I own. I was like, you're right. I know, but throwing out cookbooks is so hard. I know. Um, so yeah, so she had some really good suggestions. She was delightful. What did she think of Matt's guitars? She was like, oh, your husband's a collector. She said her father collected violins. Oh my goodness. So she understood. But she also, we, we have a shed in our backyard Mm. whose primary purpose is to store guitar cases, bicycles, and Matt's tools, his various saws, you know, for Matt's woodworking shop. Kate is laughing. <laughs> I do wish like listeners could be in our homes for one day and just really see these spaces I that mean, we're talking about. A video tour. It's wouldn't even do it justice. No, it would not. So she was like, huh, yeah, okay. I I see. She was like, I, I sympathize with you. <laughs> like she was like, I understand. Yeah. You're, you're married to a collector and the item he co- primarily collects is very large. Yes. Yeah. It's not like he's collecting angel figurines. That would be so weird <laughs> if he started collecting <laughs> angel figurines. I wish he did. I was thinking like, what, it would be so nice if he collected like miniatures. Right. You know, like something. Or like spoons. Teensy. Spoons. <laughs> you know, you like a spoon in every state. Or like magnets oh, or yeah. something. yeah. I, I sort of collect magnets. I like it. I like getting a magnet if I'm like in a place. I know. I do too. You know, or a shot glass I used to get or a mug. Now I get a mug. But you, but mugs are another thing that you can have so many of. Totally. And I have way too many mugs. I don't need all those mugs. I don't either, but I love mugs. Yeah, I know. <sighs> They're great. What do we do? Cookbooks and mugs. <sighs> Our new blog. and mugs. <laughs> it's a great blog name. Um, so yeah, so that was very helpful and interesting and kind of like reinforced my, it's not that my house is too small. It's that I have too much stuff. Philosophy. Right. Which you've kind of been thinking, which I've been coming to terms with. Let's, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Sinead Burke. This was such an awesome interview. So delightful. I'm such a huge fan of hers and she was amazing. 1 size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment, 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events, there's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let Let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I I, don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it, like, the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just, like, sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like, get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices 
and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with glorious Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Our guest today is Sinead Burke. Sinead, welcome to Forever 35. We are so excited you are on the show. Thank you. It is such a treat to be here. I am a great admirer of your work. So to be alongside the stellar guests that you've had before, I am truly honored. Oh, well, we feel the same way. And we're so excited for your new podcast. And we're going to talk all about it. But let's uh, hop in first with your bio so we can introduce you to our audience. Sinead Burke is an Irish academic teacher, writer and advocate. Sinead works towards accelerating systemic change within the domains of diversity, education, inclusion, design and disability. Her new podcast as me with Sinead Burke just launched with two episodes featuring no big deal guests Victoria Beckham and Tig 
Nataro. And Shade's TED Talk, Why Design Should Include Everyone, has amassed over 1 million views and speaking on the topics of design, education, and inclusion. And most recently, she addressed the Business of Fashion's Voices Conference and was the only Irish female delegate at the World Economic Forum's 2018 annual meeting in Davos. And she returned as a cultural leader of Davos's program in 2019. Sinead is a contributing editor for British Vogue and writes for the Financial Times, Teen Vogue, and the New York Times. She currently lives in Dublin, Ireland, but you just spent the month of August learning French and cooking in Paris. Did you take the whole month off? I did. It was such a treat. So I went on fa- I went on holiday on vacation with my parents and my siblings for the final two weeks in July. And there is this wonderful place in the middle of Paris called the Irish Cultural Centre. And they do these incredible annual bursaries that if French is useful to you in your professional life, they will bring you to Paris, put you in accommodation in the Irish Cultural Centre for the whole month and you will go to French classes and wander through Paris in the quietest and most beautiful time of the year. And as somebody who is not domesticated, it gave me a real opportunity to learn how to cook simple things. And it sounds ridiculous to say at 28 that I reveled going to the grocery store and doing simple things like the weekly shop and learning how to cook salmon and baking cheesecakes and such things. But uh, it was an amazing opportunity to just be present in one city and almost a very selfish act of mindfulness. That sounds so cool. And so not selfish. That sounds like maybe, I mean, you've had an incredibly (laughs) busy past few years and you're in demand as a speaker and educator and you're a very public figure. It's, it seems like that was maybe, was that kind of the right thing for you at the right time? It was so necessary in a way that I couldn't calculate almost until I was there or leaving. And I think exactly as you said, we're, we're all living in a world where the currency is busyness. And I'm very fortunate that I travel a bunch and I think particularly living On an island like Ireland, there is an expectation that you will travel. There is no bridges to anywhere. We're isolated in the most beautiful way. And I think not realizing how much I had been traveling and the luxury of being in one place was just idyllic. And are you close with your family? Like, is this something that you guys do a lot? You travel together? Yeah. So my parents do this amazing thing every summer where I'm the eldest of five children. We are all adults. But every year, my parents... We go on vacation together and we do not know the destination until we get on the plane. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So they amazing. hide the boarding cards to us until we actually get to the gate and get on the flight. And it is extraordinary. They give us a climate to pack for, but it's a wonderful two week period where it's just my siblings and my parents and I. And we, some of us live together, some of us have moved out. And that ability to just be in one space and to connect and to. Yeah, to just kind of regroup and to be re-part of, I suppose, the unit that we had as kids. Um, We're very close in age, so it's just really wonderful to explore different cities and different countries all together. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I'm already crying. Kate is tearing up. I don't know why that that moves me so much. That's that's just such a, a beautiful act as parents and a real rare thing for families to do. I don't know. I just, I love that idea. I love that they pull it off. I love that you and your siblings are still on board. I love all of it. We get the dates months and months in advance and no partners come. It's, It's just us. And it's actually, 
It's really special and it's probably the only time in the year where I'm not available on email. We all take that time off. It's the one time in which we each set boundaries for our kind of professional lives and it's genuinely such such a treat and I think one of the key successes of it is that we all really like each other but it's a real symbol of how extraordinary my parents and my family are and it sounds trite but they are the reason I am who I am and even this notion of being able to travel the world for work and to be employed in lots of different spaces that's due to the support and the love of my parents and that has been unconditional and very explicit in its unconditional nature since I was very very young. Well, I noticed in the trailer um, when I was listening a while back for your new podcast, As Me, you describe yourself as a teacher and a learner and an activist, but also as a daughter and a sister. And I just, I think it's very telling that you include that language about who you are connected to your family, because I don't know if everyone would include that when describing themselves. It's so important to me. And it's not just about being grounded, but they are the people I call on in my best and kind of most challenging moments. I had the great privilege, and it's a ridiculous sentence to say, but to be able to go to the Met Gala this year. And I was so nervous in the days and the hours beforehand, like literally head in a toilet, vomiting nervous. I felt like the world was watching. And I remember calling my dad and telling him, I don't know if I can, if I can do this tonight. I don't know if I can go. And his only and immediate response was, Sinead, it's a party in a museum you'll be fine. (laughs) And that idea of like taking something like the Met Gala, which is somebody who is a fashion aficionado in all spaces is like the most incredible place that you could ever attempt to professionally ascend to. And my dad been like, Sinead, it's a party in a museum. And I was like, yes, 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 it is. I'm fine. And he didn't do that to be derivative of my ambition, but to really give me a sense that it was totally within my skill set to be able to accomplish. We want to talk about that Met Ball experience. Yeah. Um, but first, yeah. I would love just for our listeners who might be meeting you for the first time, can you kind of give us a brief breakdown of how you started out as an educator and a blogger and then, you know, transitioned to the world stage? <laughs> sure. I decided that I wanted to be a teacher and an elementary school teacher on the day of my fourth birthday, which was actually my first day of school. And I came home and I told my parents, and my dad is a little person like me, and my mom is average height. I have dwarfism. I stand at the height of three feet, five inches tall. And I came home that first day of school and I told my parents that I was going to be a teacher. And their immediate and only response was one of congratulations and one of support. And I'm not a parent, but I look back on that moment now and I realize that it took great bravery for my parents to be so confident And not necessarily because they didn't think that I would be a good teacher. But I don't doubt they had questions about whether or not the world would let me. Because the classroom is a microcosm of how the world is designed and built. Um, Primarily, it's not designed for me. You know, when I was a teacher, I couldn't reach the light switches. I couldn't reach the blinds. I couldn't hang up the artwork. I couldn't reach the blackboard. The children from the earliest of grades were taller than me. And that was a concern to the world. But it was never a concern to my parents because they're their thinking around me and my size was always the fact that I may have to find a different way to do things, but nothing would ever be impossible. And I studied and I trained and I went to college and I studied to be a primary school teacher. And in the midst of that college course, one of the assignments was to create a blog. 
And the idea from the lecturer at the time was to create this space where parents would know what was going on in the classroom because if anybody listening to this has children, your child comes home at the end of the day and you say, what did you do today? And the child says, nothing. <laughs> You're like, what do you mean you've been doing nothing? You've been there for eight hours. Like, you must have done something. And it was this space where as teachers we could write and document on the blog what was happening in class so that it could instigate conversations at home. And the lecturer at the time said, you can write about anything you want. And what he meant was within education, but that's not what he said. So I wrote about Cape Blanchett wearing Givenchy couture to the Oscars and why as Irish people we could not call things couture unless they adhered to the French laws and were made by hand in an atelier in Paris. And he accepted the assignment and thought nothing of it, but... I had been interested and probably even more than interest, I, I'd been invested in fashion as a powerful industry. For me as a little person, for as long as I can remember, as the eldest of five children, particularly with lots of sisters, and my sisters are all average height, I would bring my siblings shopping. And as the eldest, I felt it was my responsibility to show them the way. And it became really obvious that my sisters had access to clothes that I didn't purely because I was disabled and they were not. And that was something that neither of us chose. But due to that, the industry had decided unintentionally that I wasn't able to participate in the same way that they did. And it felt even more frustrating because I had more money and I had more interest. And for me, clothes did this extraordinary thing where they explained to the world who I was and what age I was in a way that the emotional level the emotional labor wasn't leveraged on me. So for example, if I'm today wearing a full length gray, uniqlo, beautiful kind of cotton dress with some Vasia sustainable sneakers, and I was wearing a kind of sustainable leather-esque jacket earlier. And if you meet me in the street wearing those things, the first thing you think of is, okay, she's investing in this sustainability movement. <laughs> but the second thing you think is, okay, this isn't a child. And clothes and fashion allows me to perform my age and my maturity in a way that I don't have to. And yet it was an industry that whilst it could be so useful to me personally, was really challenging because I was so excluded. So the blog that I started in college ended up being this safe space for me to document what it was that I was interested in. Because as much as my parents and my family were supportive of my goals and ambitions they could care less about learning about the complexities and the challenges of LVMH versus Kering, which are the two companies that really own most of the fashion industry. So the internet became a space where what I looked like wasn't relevant, which is many ways why I love podcasting. Because the people listening to this don't know what I or you look like. And it was this freedom to be who I was without people's biases coming to the fore. And then that blog led to doing a TED Talk and led to talking to you. <laughs> led to you being on the cover of Vogue. Ridiculous, right? I mean... I think my mother paid them. <laughs> I mean, she would have had to pay the Duchess of Sussex, which is... Yeah, I don't think that's legally... No. I don't think that's Correct allowed. or feasible. <laughs> no, I think that would definitely raise questions. So you are now a podcaster. Um, and yes. tell us how this podcast came about and what you kind of hope to... I guess what you hope to achieve from it. Two Christmases ago, I was in Dublin having hot chocolate with my very best friends. And I had to remove myself from the hot chocolate situation because I was due to be interviewed by DeRay for his incredible podcast, Pod Saves the People. I couldn't get signal 
and I ended up in the attic of this old hotel in Dublin trying to record this interview. It was stressful on my end in terms of trying to get somewhere that sound was okay, but did the interview, didn't think much of it, got a bit of feedback and response for other people who looked like me in the US, and then that was it. But at the beginning of this year, the producer of that show, Jessica Cordova-Kramer, who was one half of Lemonade Media, sent me this email and said, hey, my name is Jess, this is Stephanie, my co-founder, we're setting up a new podcast network and we think you should host our second show. And in many ways, I thought that the next email would ask me for my credit card details because I thought (laughs) it was just this opportunity that was too good to be true. And the whole premise of the show, As Me with Sinead, is about creating space where people can be vulnerable, where the empathy that I have gathered and honed due to me being a little person because I rely on strangers' kindness from my own independence and I am very used to and very familiar with making myself vulnerable in spaces by asking for help that I have kind of harnessed this ability to cultivate that among other people and the idea that you can sit with people who you've admired forever and find a new way into speaking to them I think some of the challenges that we have in this society is that often we feel alone because there are just topics that we're told we're not allowed to speak about And that has divided us rather than including us. So in episode one, talking to Victoria Beckham about how badly she was bullied as a child and how when she talks to her daughter Harper now, she says the most important thing you can do and be as a person is be kind, particularly in the playground. She says that your job, Harper, is that if you see a child on their own, your job is to ask that child to join you and to play with you. Because that was me. That was Victoria as a kid. She was always the child who was left out. And I don't think being a posh by span fan for forever, I don't think I ever saw that within her. And the idea of the show is to create a space where people can bring their whole selves. And we ask four questions in the show. The first one is, how do you describe yourself personally and professionally? The second is, what's the monologue that exists in your head? The third is, what's it like to live in your body? And the fourth is, what gives you hope? And everything surrounding those four questions is about listening and giving people agency over their own narrative. So what I hope comes from the show is that for the first time, people see the parts of themselves that causes them the most worry in other people and that they get advice or insight or inspiration or just the courage to share those vulnerable parts of themselves with other people. Asking people, how do you describe yourself is an incredibly vulnerable question. I think someone makes the point on your show, like they're used to other people being, you know, being asked, how would other people describe you? But really digging in and wondering how you describe yourself is, is a different kind of question. Have you given it, I'm assuming, much thought yourself as how you describe yourself? I like to describe myself as curious and kind. And actually, that question was the first question that I asked in every blog post since I was Mm. 18. And it's so wonderful to see the trajectory of that question and that curiosity now being such a fundamental part of the podcast. But for me, I think it depends. It would definitely depend who I was talking to. If it was a very close friend, I would probably talk about the things that I'm insecure about. I'm somebody who overthinks. I'm somebody who overanalyzes. I'm somebody who the monologue in my own head is constantly attempting for me to be better, to achieve more in that constant comparison and the world in which we live. But I think fundamentally, if someone was to say to me, oh, you know, Sinead, 
she's kind and she's curious. Now, you'd probably think that I was paying that person if that's how they described me. But those are the two qualities that I try to practice, both to myself and to others. And if there's anything in terms of a legacy that I leave behind me, it will be those two traits. This is kind of falls along those lines for me in a lot of ways, because you're, as we say, reframing the narrative. You're thinking about yourself in a different way. I don't think most people consider this question. And it, it actually feels like a really strong practice in the realm of self-care to consider, like, how do you describe yourself? And I, I guess, Sinead, would you, would you say that it needs to be positive or can it really be any, any kind of description? And dare I say, does it change from day to day? I think it has the flexibility to change enormously, but I also think it changes depending on the audience. I think if you're asking yourself as really this exercise of, of self-care and almost a, a vehicle by which you check in with yourself on a regular basis, like how am I describing myself today? And whether that is physically in your own body or in your mind, I think it's such a useful methodology to use, exactly as you said, for a tool for self-care. But on the podcast, it's really interesting to see how people do that especially when there was a microphone in front of them. Yeah. That is, what's the thinking that's happening as those adjectives come about? Is it, this is how I want to be presented to the world? This is how I see myself within this moment? This is what I dream or wish to be? Or is it just a very honest, guttural reflection? And I think because it's the first question of every episode on the show. For me, one of the best parts of recording all of these episodes has been seeing how different people describe themselves in lots of different ways and looking at all of those different assets by which you can do it. It's been illuminating. Can we switch gears and talk about the Met Ball? Sure. What do you want to know? I mean, everything. <laughs> everything. I, I love how you said your dad described it as just a party in a museum because mm. that, you know, people might not be familiar with the Met Ball. Um, so perhaps you could, as you are a fashion expert, give us, you know, the layman's ex uh, terms of what it is. And then tell us about what it was like your experience going and how you got through the vomiting nerves. So the Met Gala is an annual event that happens in the Met Museum in New York, and it is a fundraiser for the Costume Institute, which is the fashion department in the Met. It is the only department in the entire museum that the museum itself doesn't fund. So the fashion community many years ago rallied around the museum and saw fashion as an important vehicle for art and created a fundraiser that would just make sure that that section of the museum was able to exist throughout the year. It then came about that the Met Gala would launch on the night of the opening exhibition during the summer. And under Anna Wintour's helm really began to grow gravitas in terms of who was in the room. It is an expensive fundraiser. Many of those who attend are attending with a brand and each brand perhaps has a table. Tickets are about $30,000 to attend, but every invitation is on Anna Wintour's approval. There is musicians who perform on stage. It is quite the spectacle and in many ways has become one of the institutional events in the fashion calendar, particularly in the United States. It's probably the big moment on the fashion calendar. And as somebody who grew up seeing the importance and the possibility within fashion for representation and for inclusion. I think I had written down in a notebook when I was 17 that I wanted to go to the Met Gala along with being on the cover of the September issue of British Vogue or any Vogue, never thinking that those things would happen. And 
Gucci sent me an invitation earlier this year. And it is so surreal when a subject heading like, would you like to come to the Met Gala, <laughs> arrives in your inbox. And for me, I think my, my first response and my guttural response to the team at Gucci was, thank you so much. I would be honoured to attend. But can we have a conversation about access? The Met Gala, the visual representation that most people have if they watch it on the television or if they follow some of it on Twitter or Instagram is you see the celebrities mounting this what looks like an enormous number of steps. Yeah. Which is a physical symbol of inaccessibility. And to be incredibly fair to Gucci, to Anna Wintour, to the Met and to Vogue, in the days prior to the gala, I was auditing the steps, checking out the bathroom for access, looking at the room where footstools could be, where the safest place for me to be and different types of bodies could exist. And it was one of those evenings that you will never forget. I had done the stairs the previous day and knew that I would be able to manage them independently, but hoping that the train on my gown wouldn't trip me up. And walking up those stairs and hearing crowds of photographers, or at least that's what it feels like, shouting your name and you smiling and kind of, you know, just hoping that you're doing yourself justice. And walking up then to meet the co-hosts who are Anna Wintour, Lady Gaga, Serena Williams, Alessandra Michele, Harry Styles, and everybody kindly and warming welcome you. Getting to see the exhibition, which was this year all about camp and queer identity and fashion, and is a conversation that we need to have more and more, particularly in historic institutions. And then going into the cocktails and literally being in a room with every famous person who you have ever come across through the lens of television, TV, magazines. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you just have to boldly go up and introduce yourself to people and say, hi, I'm Sinead. I know who you are. You don't know who I am, but let's have a conversation. And there is real freedom and joy in that and getting to meet people who you've already always admired and, yeah, sharing a moment with them in a space that you never thought you'd be in. I mean, just the name Harry yeah. Styles gives me the chills. <laughs> and he's so kind. He oh. is a wonderful human being. I believe. Thank you for saying that. I needed that. I needed that validation to know that he my is. worship is earned. Um, Sinead, you bring up a, a wonderful point about the accessibility of the event, and you know we we talk a lot on this show about inclusivity inclusivity in fashion, but we we're really have just been speaking about sizing and. You know, what I've kind of learned from you is that it really accessibility is so much more than that. And I'm curious how you think we as consumers can really continue to push for change. And if there are brands that you see uh, doing the, the work to make fashion more accessible. I think talking about inclusivity and sizing is such an important point. We're seeing Universal Standard really explore what's possible in terms of sizing and their collaboration with Rodarte, I think, really challenged the luxury fashion industry and what it could look like. I think going forth and what I want to see in the fashion industry about change with inclusion is not just allowing the conversations to pertain to the runway or to pertain to the marketing campaigns, because whilst I think change has been slow in those arenas, it's actually easier to have them more correct or it's an easier way in which to create change because it's so visible. But I want to see systemic change in the entire industry. I want to see a disabled CEO or a trans CEO of colour. I want to see different types of voices being at every different echelon within the fashion industry, be it marketing, be it design, be it 
looking at HR. And I think in order to create those changes, we really need to look at the entire system. So I think we need to be providing scholarships for different types of fashion students in the many different departments at university and at college. Because if university and college is still extraordinarily expensive, it's just reiterating the fact that the same voices are going into the same rooms. We then also need to have a conversation with young children, that if I'm four and say I want to work in fashion, that that dream isn't minimized because of what it is that I look like. I think then when we go into companies, we need to change HR policies. We need to develop HR practices where people are as comfortable asking, do you have any access requirements in the same way that we ask, do you have any kind of food or dietary requirements? And I think it's about looking really broadly because when we have the diversity of voices in the room that reflect our society, that's when conversations will be instigated, such as why is a zip at the back of a dress? Why can we not put it at the side of the dress or why can we not put magnets or elastic? And it's thinking broadly about the entire system that needs to change. But in terms of brands that are doing it well, I think we've seen after huge, enormous challenges in the industry about kind of racism that has existed. I think we're seeing change in how we hire people, the different types of people that we bring and invite to our companies. But I think change is slow from an inclusivity of a disability perspective. Tommy Hilfiger has an adaptive line. There's a brilliant company called Les Alles, which is based in, in Canada, that talks about prosthesis in a beautiful way, because I think one of the challenges with accessibility has been that historically we look at it through a medical lens, which means that what's designed is usually not very beautiful. And I think we never really blend form and function. And we need to do that more. A company that really excites me is based in Parsons in New York. It's called Open Style Lab. And it's founded by the incredible Grace John. And what it does is it brings design students in Parsons together with disabled people and older people. And together they create a garment that is both accessible, inclusive and beautiful. And I think it's the most extraordinary incubator for innovation and creativity whilst also making sure that it's profitable and can exist within a mainstream market. So I think those companies are really strong. But from what a consumer can do, a consumer can both be really conscious of the developments that are happening in the industry. But often as people, we are rightly critical when things go wrong. But we rarely celebrate when companies make steps forward. Like we celebrated the Fenty show, which was extraordinary in so many ways. But I think particularly because of the visibility of somebody like Mama Cax, who is a disabled model. And more and more, we need to be vocal when things are going right, too. That's that's amazing. That's excellent advice yeah. and thoughts. I think Target has an adaptive line now as well. Yes, they do. They do have an adaptive line. I haven't worn it as of yet, but then my next trip to the States, that's at the top of my agenda. Yes. Let <laughs> us know. We will go yep. with you to Target anytime. <laughs> before before we wrap up, you know, we do tend to go deep into skincare products yes. on this show. Do you have any favorites that you want to share with our audience? So I have been recently diagnosed as having terribly dehydrated skin um, and I have taken it with much personal angst, which means I'm slathering myself in <laughs> all sorts of things uh, every night. I'm not sure if it's helping. So I use the Ordinary's um, Hyaluronic Acid and I use mm. that particularly when I fly and I like that a lot. I use um, the Lancome Genifique Serum. Ooh which I like a lot. And then I also use a Clinique kind of 72-hour hydrating moisturizer that I have convinced myself will change my body and my physicality enormously. Um, and it's, it's doing somewhat of a good job at the moment. But I am very new to the world of skincare. So all recommendations are 
incredibly welcome. Oh my gosh. I well, hyaluronic acid is is what pe- you know, what people use to moisturize. So you so you're ahead of the game. I mean, I'm ahead of the game. Yeah. I have a retinol because since I turned 29, I've become deeply conscious of wrinkles. Um, even though it's all in my head. Do you have a good sunscreen? I do have a good sunscreen. So I use that particularly because I'm Irish. We don't yes. experience a lot of the physical sun, but we do get cloud cover. And I'm very conscious that even in those moments, SPF is completely necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I have a Northern Irish stepmother who is... Oh, I see. Yes. She is constantly... She's a redhead. She's a redhead and she is so sun protected. It is unbelievable. And is her skin translucent like mine? Yes. And but it's also like so necessary. It's amazing. Yes. She's got fantastic skin. Shout out to my (laughs) stepmom. Oh, no, we will. We will put together a list of very lubricating skin products. That is my that is my favorite. Like how to hyper moisturize is my favorite journey to go on yeah Kate's well, very into if, oils oils and mists mm-hmm. that's what it's all about okay this is good to know this is good to know well Sinead this has just been a real <laughs> gift to get to talk to you thank you so much for taking the time we should point out that you are many hours ahead of us as we do this call so thank you for doing this in the evening on your time not at all. If anybody has heard background noise, it's because you're in the midst of the Burke family dinner preparation. So if you hear clanging, just please ignore them. Oh, tell them that we just think they're the best family and that we <laughs> want them to plan trips for our family and surprise us. And that you're coming next summer. I will tell yes. them to add yes. two more to the list. Strange. Yes, yeah, strange Americans. They can't be bring up. their spouses, but they can bring two mm. random strangers. Yes. And Sinead, we have we'll to say nothing. We yeah. have to let everybody know where they can listen to as me with Sinead and where they can find you online. Sure. As Me with Sinead is available on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. But if you would like to find me on the internet, I am at the Sinead Burke. Now, Sinead is tricky to spell. It's S-I-N-E-A-D and Burke is B-U-R-K-E. But when I come to the States, I'm usually Sinead Burke. So whatever you like. Our answer to everything. <laughs> On behalf of all Americans, we apologize. It's okay. It's okay. Sinead O'Connor helps me out a bunch of times. They're yes. like, like Sinead O'Connor. I'm like, yes. Truly, we must thank her for that. Yes, she helped you, us with, with your name. Um, well, for many Sinead things. Burke. For SNL, the Pope, yeah. and my name. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been so Thank great you. having you on Forever 35 and everyone to check out As Me. It's really wonderful. Thank you so much. So lovely to be on the show. Well, it's been lovely to have you. Thank you and have a great dinner. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it, and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay, Which is okay, I know. Which is visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel 
I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you think that Sinead's family will think it's weird when I just show up one day at their house and try to go on vacation with them? Oh, you mean when we show up together? That's true. When I, yeah, you yeah. and I go together. Yeah. I, I, I was so excited to talk to Sinead but hearing just hearing that was such an and also just how she felt so supported and seen by her parents from such a young age and that resonated even at four that she remembers that so clearly yeah and what an impression it it made on her really was so moving I know I I have followed Sinead on Instagram for a while and to get to talk to her was thrilling yes I agree yeah she's great and I'm so, loving her. I just want to say her podcast is very good. Oh, yes. yes, yes. So anyway, Dory, to-do lists, that was my thing last week. Yeah, how did that go? So it didn't go. It didn't go at all. And I actually felt like I was doing the thing where I was avoiding it and making like more work for myself and like forgetting stuff and being bad at things. Your mistake was probably that you didn't put make to-do lists on your to-do list. <laughs> you know, touche. <laughs> I'm so just saying. Today, I reopened my Todoist app. Okay. And I just kind of was like, this morning, I'm going to sit here. My kids just got to school. It's quiet. I have about 10 minutes. I'm going to just like vomit everything I can think of onto this list. Then I printed it because I think there's something about having a physical hard yes, copy. I'm with you on that. That would That is helpful. Yes. And so I'm going to just give that a go. Okay. You know, no yeah. pressure on myself, but it has not been, it's not been successful. Okay. So I don't know. What about this week? What do you have going on? This week, what I have going on is my marriage. Ooh, this is big. Yeah. Big intention from mm-hmm. a to-do list to my marriage. No, you know, we're, my husband and I are coming off a really crazy year. Yeah. Like probably the heart most challenging year we've ever had as a couple. Mm-hmm. Although the year my mom got sick and died, that was also tough. 
Yeah, there have been so many. What a journey it is being in a relationship. Uh, um, but, you know, he's now back home full time after working away from Calif- working out of California for almost a year. And it's been wonderful to have him back. But I feel like we have kind of already just gotten into like team mode and not just had like us time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my in-laws are in town and they are very generous with their time. And we kind of like sneak off and go somewhere together when my in-laws come. So we're going to go spend a couple days in the desert. We're going to get massages. Like I'm just, I just would like to really spend time just focusing on my relationship with my husband that doesn't involve our, you know, like our kids are always going to be part of it, but just like just the two of us hanging out and like laughing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Reconnecting resting sounds great i'm excited it'd be weird if i came i mean we no we've clearly made it clear that we now invite ourselves on other people's vacations so come with us see you there we're each getting a 60 minute massage oh sounds great but i'm you know anthony is like he's like the funniest person i know we have a lot of fun together and i'm really excited to just get to have that time where it's not like did you make the lunches totally that's kind of a lot of our time right now Dory, yes. How about you? How has your reading been going? Well, so I did last week. I said that I wanted to get back into fiction and specifically like contemporary fiction. Yeah. Um, and I started reading a new a book that came out a few months ago called "The Most Fun We Ever Had" by a woman named Claire Lombardo. I'm not that deep into it. I'm probably fifty pages in. Dare, um, dare I say though, the act of reading is not necessarily about whether or not you like the book but more about the the doing. Well, well, well. Do you know it's what about I mean? the journey, not the destination. Well, it kind of is. And I say this as like you and I are both writers. Yeah. You know, people have had, have read our books with differing opinions. I think it's fine if you're reading something and it doesn't fully capture you. It's more like the, the act of doing it that is what really counts. Am I crazy here? Am I no. going off on a strange no, tangent? I, I, I sort of agree with you. I mean, you also want to spend time doing something that you That's enjoy. That's the thing. And it's like, my time is finite. And so, you know, I would prefer to read things that I feel like I'm getting a lot out of or that I really enjoy. And I'm not disliking this book, I should say. I'm just not, it's not totally resonating with me yet, which is why I do like to always give books like a hundred pages. It's like giving a show three episodes. Totally. You know what I mean? Did you give Shit's Creek three episodes? I story? think I gave it four. Okay. 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 Just making sure. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it, but it hasn't like grabbed me Got right it. away. I know, I know you want that. Feeling. So it might be like a slow burn. Cool. Who knows? Report back. I will report back. Um, and I have another kind of pop culture related intention for this week, which is I want to catch up on The Good Place. I love this one because The Good Place is very self-carry. I love The Good Place. I have not watched any of this season. And, you know, it's just such a treat to get to watch it. And it's the last season. I know. And also, because I'm behind, I haven't been able to listen to The Good Place podcast, which is also one of my favorite podcasts. I love that show. I love Mark Evan Jackson. And... Uh, who hosts it and is on the show. And so I'm excited to like watch a bunch of episodes and then catch up on the podcast. I would say that the good place is up there with Schitt's Creek in terms of like truly delightful self care watching. Yeah. Right. Like it's that same kind of energy and joy. Yes. I'm so sad. It's ending. I know I'm too. Why must it end? I don't know. Is it Ted Danson's fault? 
I don't think it's anything. I think all good things must pass. <sighs> Fine. You know? All right. I guess I'll just have to rewatch it. I mean, that's what I, I yes, you can rewatch it over and over and over again. That's the beauty of, I know. I know it's hard, but just think about all the amazing things, all those writers and performers will go on to make that will be, that will be wonderful. So many great people work that's on a that good show. point. You know, all right. Okay. Only more awesome stuff is going to come okay, from I'm everyone feeling, who works on the good place. Now. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. Okay. Woo. Well, geez, we're here. We sure are. Uh, if you want to call us and weigh in on anything we've talked about or bring up a new topic or just sing, check in, tell us how life is going, we are at 781-591-0390 or please email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And you can join our Facebook group where there is always a lot of great conversations happening at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast. The password there is serums. You can also join the many, many spinoff groups that we have. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, mention us on social media. We love hearing from you and we always appreciate that kind of support. And just one more reminder that every product we mention is always on our website, forever35podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. And Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer, and it's produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and Lane Hammer is our assistant, and one fun fact, they both went to a Jonas Brothers concert recently, and then talked about it. They are Joe Bros. And Dory and I couldn't relate. Nope. Nope. Okay. So on that note, bye. Bye.